you travel for a living and struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle like I do, or maybe you just struggle to stay healthy in general. This is the Road to Health podcast, and I am Tamar, your host for this adventure. I travel for business often, which presents some challenges in terms of achieving and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Join me on my perfectly imperfect journey as I implement the strategies I've learned from the coaches I work with and make my dreams and goals a reality. I don't always manage to resist the temptations that life throws at me, but by working on developing a healthier mindset, I'm managing to build a firm belief in my own ability to change. No one needs to take this journey alone, so if you struggle to make healthy choices on the road like I do, join me for this ride on the road to health. Well-traveled, well-lived. Hey everyone, what's going on? Tamar here from the Road to Health podcast. I hope that you're all doing well. I'm super pumped today because a week from tomorrow, which is July 14th, my first book, Hope Elevated, is launching live on Amazon. So you can go to amazon.com or amazon.ca. If you follow me on Facebook or you're part of the Road to Health podcast Facebook group, there will be information there. I've also posted an event link right on my personal Facebook, which is Tamar Medford, and you can sign up there to join the launch community. So basically, the gist of it is you're going to go on Amazon morning of July 14th at 7 a.m. Pacific time. It's really important to do it uh, really condensed and get as many sales as possible because I would love your help hitting number one best-selling author. And to do that, you need to get as many sales as possible within an hour. I believe Amazon does it every hour. So log on July 14th, buy the book. It's only gonna be 99 cents and it'll be running for, I believe I'm gonna do four days only. And part of that is every day, anybody who leaves me a honest review on Amazon and you message me with a screenshot, you don't have to post it on social media, just message me personally. I'm gonna do a draw for my new course, Mindset Roadmap, so it's about a $597 value. I actually sell the course for $297. What you get is the course itself, and then you also get two one-hour coaching sessions with me, so I'm gonna be giving four of those away for absolutely free, so make sure you're following me on social media. I will probably post a um, a post on Instagram as well that will guide you to my Facebook group so you won't miss out on that. But make sure you come check it out. Be part of it. I could really use your help. This is exciting. I bear all. Just so you know, my parents have both read the book now. They actually did it within two days, which is unheard of for each of them. And the reactions I got were priceless, but also absolutely melted my heart because I love my parents both and they've been a big support to me. And I got two very different uh, responses, but I am so appreciative of them that they did read the book. They took the time. They are both in a little bit of shock because it really opens up um, to my story. I become extremely vulnerable, which was something that was incredibly scary for me. 
but I did it. I'm happy and I'm really hoping that this can help people. So if you know anybody that's struggling from addictive behavior of any kind, it doesn't just have to be drugs or alcohol. It can be, you know, in the form of food addiction. Um, There's all sorts of things that we can be addicted to, let's face it. Uh, But if you know anybody who's struggling and they want a little bit of hope in their life, make sure that you guide them uh, to Amazon on July 14th at 7 a.m. where they can purchase the book all week long uh, for those four days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for only 99 cents. And I would absolutely love your support. I also have a freebie for you. If you head on over to my website, which is www.theroadtohealth.me, on the top banner, I now have a five steps to achieving your goals. This is an absolutely free uh, mini series. You'll get emails uh, scheduled specific times apart so you can do the homework that's entailed. But this is absolutely free. So if you head on over to my website and you need a little jump start uh, now that we're starting to venture out a little bit, um, maybe you feel like you've kind of stalled out on your goals or you haven't been working out as much or it's just time to start setting some, make sure you check that out. Absolutely free on my website. And uh, hopefully I'll see you there. So today is a very special episode for me. You are going to get the inside scoop on my interview with my dad, Nick Versteeg. We had a chance to sit down a few weeks ago and I was really excited to bring him on the show because I've always admired what my dad did and how hard he worked and he's very artistic and creative. Um, He does uh, film producing and he does documentaries and by the way when I introduce him I really have troubles saying documentary a documentary filmmaker I can say it now but uh, when I introduced him it was kind of funny I kind of jumbled my words a bit but you know what I didn't edit that out because that's just me that's what I do Um, but it was really great to talk to him we talk a little bit about depression it's something that I have suffered with and it's something that he has recently opened up to Um, as well about and then as well we talk about his career you know he started off as a baker which was awesome for me because I got free donuts but he decided to follow his passion which is being a filmmaker he also has a book that I'm going to put a link in the show notes so if you want to check that out it's called Baker to Filmmaker um, and make sure it's I think $4.95 or $4.99 so super cheap great story gives you a little insight into my dad's life and you know we talk about um, just how it was growing up and you know he really didn't know a lot about my addiction I hit it very well Uh, we kind of grew apart I would say after my mom and him separated and so we didn't talk all that much and I just remember him coming over to visit every once in a while and kind of lecturing me on you know, uh, being irresponsible. And I really resented him for that, of course, until that is when I got sober. And I finally started looking at my part in all this. And, you know, um, he was just giving me that tough love that I needed at the time. And I respect that so much now because I am the kind of person who needs a good kick in the pants sometimes uh, to get going and to smarten up. And my dad was certainly a big part of that. And now we have a very, very close relationship um, you know, we we talk um, a lot more in depth 
about our feelings, what we're going through, what we're trying to achieve, because both of us are very creative people. And I realize now that uh, we are very much alike. I love my dad to pieces, and I'm so grateful I could have him on the show, but I'm not going to tell you everything that we talked about. I will let you listen in on that. I hope you enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today is a very special episode because I have Nick Verstig, who is an author, a speaker, a documentary filmmaker, and most importantly, he is my dad. Welcome, Dad. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Under the circumstances with <laughs> COVID-19, we're doing well. But you know what? I find that you and I especially have been able to communicate a lot more and especially doing it by video call. So I find it's actually bringing back, you know, people back to the basics and really making efforts where it was lacking before. Absolutely. Even, you know, with my own family, we have probably talked more uh, in these circumstances than we <laughs> normally do, right? Because we're in Canada, they're in Holland. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it has its good uh, ways too. So. I totally agree. So let's jump into it. Um, our relationship, yours and mine, was very um, good growing up. You know, you were very involved in my life. And I think it really only became stressed when I started drinking. But why don't we start off what life was like for you growing up? I had a very good uh, time when I grew up. Uh, first of all, my grandfather, who had a pastry shop, uh, he was our hero. Um, and I say our, my older brother and myself, um, we knew him very well. He taught us actually more than our own dad uh, uh, taught us. Uh, my dad was very tough, um, never gave compliments, um, always said, for example, one of the things I never forget, he says, men don't cry, uh, men don't show our emotions. And he, and he never actually showed his emotions. While my grandfather, um, who at the pastry shop, really was a wonderful man, a warm man, a kind man. And he taught us so many lessons uh, when we grew up that um, he gave us a wonderful uh, time. Um, you know, of course, as a kid, I worked in, in the pastry shop already. It was too bad I never could take the shop over because when I was in my middle of my apprenticeship, he passed away and I was only 14 years old, so I couldn't take the business over. But um, I always, as a kid, I was fascinated with filmmaking. So uh, my brother and I were avid eight millimeter filmmakers. Now that might say nothing for a lot of people, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, you know, way before video. And uh, I, I wanted to really go in the film business, but because my algebra and my um, a couple of other subjects at school were really bad, and I probably didn't pay much attention to it, if I have to say, um, my grandfather said, go, go and learn to become a pastry chef or a pastry baker. And that's what I did. Um, so we had a great time. I went to school, uh, excelled at the pastry school. It's a little different in the Netherlands um, because you go to a middle school or a high school where you get in the morning, you get your, um, your, your tasks, uh, normal, the, the, the arithmetic and, and counting and the whole works. Um, and then in the afternoon, you do a profession. It takes seven years, including a business diploma. So yeah, we had a, a great growing up uh, time. And so what, you know, you obviously, I was born in Holland and only lived there for about a year, but 
Uh, what made you decide to immigrate to Canada? And, you know, was it hard to move away from family? Yeah, well, actually, I, I have to be honest. Um, my dad was almost the reason, if I look back, my dad was the reason, I think, that we finally made the decision with my first wife, your mother, and I and yourself. You were about, uh, yeah, almost a year old. Uh, we had started a bakery seven years before that, uh, very young. I started the bakery when I was 21 years old. And so I was tired of the village. I didn't see any uh, progress because it was a small village. Plus my father kept on pushing me and pushing me and pushing me. Nothing was good enough. So that was really tough. And I've always been adventurous. Um, so I talked with your mom and um, we got a contact in, uh, from all places in the world, Hinton, Alberta. And people still say, why Hinton, Alberta? Well, we met somebody that had started, that had a bakery there and uh, needed an, a manager and also somebody to take the business over. So we said, why not? And we immigrated to Canada, 1976, I think, uh, was it? Yes. And, you know, I have very fond memories by going into the bakery and getting free donuts. I mean, I don't think there's anything better as a kid going into your dad's bakery and getting free donuts. I, you know, I love donuts still to this day. I just don't eat them anymore. So, you know, I think we were always very happy um, with you being a baker. And but there was also a lot of late nights or early mornings, I should say, where we would wake up and you weren't there because you were at the bakery and you had to get it going. But, you know, what uh, inspired you to become a filmmaker at a certain point? Because, you know, it was obviously your dream growing up. And how do you go from being a baker to a filmmaker? Well, that, yeah, that's, an, you know, a fascinating story, of course, because <laughs> actually your donuts made me quit the bakery. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were used in Holland about making beautiful pastries. A lot of the pastries that you see in, in Europe, and, and you start to see them now here too. But you know, we're talking uh, 70s. The pastries in Hinton, Alberta were uh, donuts and cinnamon buns and long johns. And every day, the same thing over and over. And so after a couple of years, I said, no, I cannot do this anymore. Uh, plus, like you said, we started at two o'clock at night and, you know, to two o'clock in the afternoon and then you had a couple of hours sleep. So finally, um, we started and it was really interesting. Alberta had a 75th anniversary, um, you know, the, the, the 75th anniversary of Alberta. And they gave every village, including Hinton, a grant to, uh, for a project. And so we had already a video camera at that time. We're talking uh, 1980. We had bought a video camera because of course the eight millimeter camera was, was you know, had gone and, and we bought a video camera. And with a group of pe people, we created our very, very first documentary. Uh, they came to stay. It's, it's still somewhere. There are clips on, on YouTube, I think. From I remember that. that. On, right? And that really gave it a start. It was, of course, technically it was horrible. Um, the story was okay. And because we learned, you know, and that's the moment I said, I want to do this. So um, we sold the bakery, uh, went to Vancouver. Uh, actually, we didn't really go to Vancouver because your mom didn't want to live in Vancouver. <laughs> and that caused a massive amount of stress because we had the company in Vancouver 
we started, you know, I went to school, uh, to film school, and we started a company uh, totally from scratch. Uh, what brought a massive amount of stress in our family. Don't know if you still remember because, of course, I went from making pretty good money and uh, your mother always stayed at home and, you know, she was a homemaker and what, you know, nothing against that was fantastic. I had to travel every day an hour and a half into Vancouver and an hour and a half back. Plus a business, of course, started. So we went from making very good money to the first couple of years, um, hardly any. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that caused an enormous amount of stress. Yeah, I could imagine. Um, and I, you know, remember seeing it start to take a toll as probably the teens is when I started to notice and become aware of it a lot more than I was previous to that. Um, but, you know, I saw you go through a lot of things, especially towards the end of the marriage, because you were traveling a lot, you were doing what you love. And I remember mom not always wanted to go on those trips with you, right? And, um, you know, did you ever struggle, like after the marriage ended, um, I had seen you go through some dark times, but did you ever struggle with things like depression or anxiety, that kind of thing? Oh, absolutely. It's because after about 10 years of doing kind of corporate videos, we finally started getting into television. And that became, and I was really, I was a workaholic. Um, I wanted to succeed badly. Uh, so when we got the first documentary, um, you know, the, the legacy of Truck Lagoon that we did for A&E, we traveled to, um, to islands in the, in the Pacific and, and it became incredible, exciting. And then, when, you know, so, but what also happened, the marriage started falling apart because I was always on the road um, and because I loved it, right? Um, and I, I really feel bad about that. You know, I, I um, yeah, up to today, I, that was not the right thing to do, but you wanted, I wanted to succeed in, in something totally new. Then the marriage started to fall apart. The first production that we did for television cost us a fortune and it put me in a um, financial bad situation. So you can imagine all that on top of each other, uh, unhappy wife, um, stressful life at home, um, financial challenges. I became very depressed, uh, especially after the first, um, first documentary that cost a fortune. I remember um, I left your mother, um, went to a basement apartment, right? Because I didn't have the money really to, to get a brand new apartment. And uh, I remember on uh, a New Year's Eve where I sat all by myself on a hill in Vancouver, looking out of Vancouver. Uh, families were together and I'm sitting there. And I think that was the change. I was so depressed, but what I said to myself Nick, it's your own fault. This, you caused this, you trusted people uh, because we had people you know, that, that were not nice to us financially. So I think the moment that I, I said, I had to admit to myself that you caused this. It was, you can blame anybody in the world, but it's you who did this. Right, exactly. And I know being through depression and I still struggle every once in a while, you and I talk about this now, but I think for myself, I never wanted to admit that I was depressed because I always looked at it as weak. And, 
you know, I remember growing up, you were always such a presence, you know, you were the soccer coach in school. If I, you know, got, I wasn't good at math either. Um, you know, I would always, okay, well, if you got this, you can do better. And so I think that just really ingrained in me. And I have that all in mentality as well, where it's like, I so badly want to succeed. But I think part of that is also causes that depression in me, right? It's like, okay, maybe I'm not going to be as successful. And I start to doubt myself. Um, you know, did you admit you were depressed at the time? Is that something that you talked about back then? Or is there a reason you didn't talk about it? No, I think, I, first of all, I had nobody to really talk to, to mm. because that was one of the things I didn't want to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, because every time I got out of it is when we got a new project, when I could work again, and I've always had the drive to be creative. So the moment I, become, I became creative, and I still have that today, by the way, mm -hmm. so the moment that I can be creative, I love it. Uh, but now I'm more balanced and say, um, you have to, you have to take your down times because you know, there is an excitement when you get your production on TV and uh, you see the end credits and, and the, you see the ratings and you know, the TV stations let you know that, oh, it goes okay. So, um, there is a downtime and I've now learned how to deal with downtime. I've, I've never started with alcohol, lucky enough. There's an interesting thing. To, to with your alcoholism, um, I didn't know the first years. Mm -hmm. I was completely stunned when at a certain moment I found out, mm -hmm. right? And that, um, and it hurt. And you know, you had fin financial problems. I remember the, the, the talks that we had. I do too. And it's funny because I remember after you would leave, I would sit and talk to a friend and I'm like, what an asshole. Why does he treat me like this? Right. And like you said, you finally learn to own the stuff, right? You finally start to look at your part. And, you know, for me, um, you talked about, um, you know, not being okay and, and being down. I realized it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to share that. It actually makes you stronger as opposed yeah. to weaker. Oh, yeah. And I always thought it made me look weak, but, uh, yeah, I remember a lot of those conversations we had and I think it just, it puts so much strain on our relationship because I wasn't willing to accept the fact that you were all those things that you tried to tell me I was. Mm -hmm. And now today actually, and I love admitting this, is I, other than the alcoholism part, I was so much like you and because I was so angry at how you were treating me, I didn't want to admit that. And I fought and fought against that until today. I'm proud to say I'm just like you, right? I have this drive. I'm happiest when I'm creating and I'm the lowest after it's all done. And it's like kind of, I love the hype. I love the buildup. And then when it's over, it's like, oh, what now? You know, now I got to start being creative again. Um, but for you, when did everything change? When did life start to improve? Oh, when life started to improve when I met Ellie. Um, you know, I'm married to Ali now for 20, 20, 22 years, I think. Like, um, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure here, but 22 years. She brought calmness in my life. And I think that was so good because um, she is very straightforward. Uh, your mother was very emotional also, right? And, and, um, and of course, the, like what Ellie brings in my life is a kind of balance. 
she said, hey, it's, you know, it's okay. And, and she had her times and we, we have our times like that, that, you know, we clash or that I think everybody has that. But she brought a calmness in my life that I needed. And also a balance because you have to. I think balance is the most important part. You know, we just decided last year to go uh, eight months to Europe. Um, she asked me, she said, you know, are you ready for it? Because you're always working, you always have new jobs or, you know, and, and so I had to kind of adjust and say, well, let's do that. Well, I tell you, the time that we had was wonderful because I didn't have any pressure of finishing a job or, or starting a new job. I didn't have the, even the drive to say, well, I have to do something now. I have to do something, you know, so like it's wonderful to have time together where you can really do completely different things and then still there is an openness in our marriage where uh, you know i wanted to do some things in europe uh, and she said yeah why why not right photography or video we did actually some interviews because again we met some interesting people right yeah. uh, so the balance the balance i think is the the most important part yeah, I agree. And I mean, especially times like right now, because you guys were actually in that isolation in France for what, a month, maybe That's longer? Right. Yeah, it started, um, you know, uh, we were in Paris. I wanted to do another half marathon uh, in Paris. Uh, so we traveled to Paris, 1st of March. And um, on the 2nd of March was the marathon and um, it got canceled. Uh, that was the whole start. Uh, a couple of days later, we, we went back to, we were in the south of France and they closed it all off. Uh, they said, this is it, uh, complete lockdown. And we needed an, uh, permission every day. If you go to the grocery store, if you go for a run, you needed a little form with you. Uh, so here it's pretty open. Like we can still, we can do things, uh, but they're still struggling in France. And I don't know how long, I think they just extended it. Uh, we're now at the beginning of May. I think they just extended it till the end of May even, right? So wow. it's, yeah, but uh, we decided to come back earlier, of course, after um, we found that, well, um, doesn't make any difference if we're here or there because you couldn't do anything. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, so you mentioned you did, you were going to do a half a marathon. I know you've done a few. I know you run with uh, Dustin, who is my yeah. brother, by the way. Um, and I've always been so impressed by that. I admire you for being one of those people that continuously, you, you work on yourself all the time. And you're 70, 70, 70. last year we did the golf tournament. Yeah. So, um, you know, what do you do to stay healthy today? Because that's such a big part to being able to stay creative and do what you love. Absolutely. Um, first of all, eat healthy and we're not fanatic about this. You know, we, we once in a while have a, I love a burger once in a while, as much as I never go to McDonald's. Um, we eat very healthy. Um, we just, I cooked a couple of weeks ago. I cooked a couple of weeks out of a vegan, vegan book, vegan or vegan, 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 vegan. Book. <laughs> it's my Dutch, uh, the ESL. Uh, that's right. ESL. <laughs> um, what was wonderful actually. Uh, but we don't, you know, we eat meat and we eat fish. We eat, we eat more fish than we eat meat. Uh, maybe meat once a week. I will. So that's one thing. Um, lots of salads. Um, and like I said, we're not fanatic that, uh, but small portions. I think that's one of the things. And then go out. Uh, I run every second day. Um, I do a seven, a 10, a five. Um, this week I did a 12. 
every second day I run. Um, so, and then we did a, a series of half marathons. And actually how it started, because I didn't, I was not a big runner until about, I would say about five years ago, when your brother came to Victoria, we helped him move. He was totally out of shape and I teased him, like we do a lot in our family, <laughs> that he was out of shape. And he called me uh, a couple of months later and he says, I'm going to do half a marathon. And I said, there is no way that you can do half a marathon. And he did. And then he did a full one. But then he challenged me to do a half a marathon with, with him. And that started it. And since then, we have done, I think I'm my sixth. Uh, I did one in France. It was fun. So stay healthy. I think very important. Mm -hmm. uh, drinking wise. I think we probably a bottle of wine will take us a whole week to get through it. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't drink every day. Uh, that's another thing. Um, you know, I love a glass of wine by dinner, uh, but we don't do it every day. Well, and wine's good for your heart anyway. Yeah, I say so. <laughs> Just not so good for mine because that much wine is not good for the heart. <laughs> no, that's correct. So speaking of addiction, because I was very good at hiding it when I was younger um, and you traveled a lot. So that kind of helped my cause a little bit. And I was able to hide it, I think, a lot more from you than I was from mom. Um, although I think sometimes she just didn't want to see it. Right. Because I was in a position where I needed help. And I know mom really liked that. You know, she she liked it when I came to her and I needed money, maybe not the money part, but yeah. just that I needed her. Right. Um, and you were very opposite. And so for anybody that has, um, you know, kids that are suffering from addiction, because I'm so grateful that, you know, I'll back up a little bit. When I first became sober, I remember coming over to the island and I did my first amends with you. And I remember you looking at me and going, you're actually saying you're sorry. And I'm like, yep, I am. I'm here to admit everything, you know, and we talked about addiction. And back then you didn't understand it 100%, you know, um, you still, there was still that stigma because I remember I had asked you, hey, do you want to come to a meeting with me? And you're like, oh, what if people see me? Because you were a big presence on the island with your films and everything. And I could, you know, but it, I almost had another resentment right after that because I'm like, come on, you know, like. Um, but I know how difficult it can be watching somebody in addiction because I've also been with people who have been addicted to drugs or alcohol. And so I know how terrible that feels, but what was it like for you once you finally realized it? And then what, what advice would you give to parents or people who deal with people in addiction? Well, first of all, talk about it. And I think when you phone called me the first time that you told me, um, I did not know how to feel actually, because I had never dealt with something like that. Um, I was very proud, um, you know, of how you, and I think I'm still very proud of how you have dealt with it. I think it's about 10 years now, right? Uh, yeah, eight. Eight years. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first thing. Talk with your kids. Um, don't stigmatize it uh, because there is always a reason and you know that we did last year, we did a documentary um, uh, about substance abuse. Um, and that's where I also learned an enormous amount that every person that has substance abuse issues or substance use issues, let me say that, um, something happened in their life, something triggered it. Uh, it might be a father who was tough. Uh, it might be you know, a friend that, that pushed them into it. Or, or child abuse or, or sexual abuse. 
everybody is dealing with that. And I think we have to start listening to that. I think that's the most important part. Don't right away say, well, don't do this or don't do that because you can't. Um, you know, with you guys, we have been always, and, and Dutch people, of course, are like that. We are very liberal people. Uh, so we let you have a, a beer or, you know, not excessive, right? <laughs> Um, I sometimes think, well, was that the reason uh, that we let? I remember, and, and you must remember, I think we got hacked from one of the neighbors or whatever, or people in the street that we let, we had a party. And I think you guys are 17 or 18 years old, mm -hmm. that we let them drink. But I said, well, we're there. We're, we're you know, uh, right. So, yeah, is that right or wrong? So, but talk about it. I think discuss it. Right. That's I think that's the main part. Um, yeah. Listen to people. Yeah. And I just I respect that you're doing all these document documentaries on addiction. And, you know, it means a lot to somebody who is struggling with that or who struggles with that, that, you know, the people around you try and actually understand what it is that you're going through, because I think addiction doesn't just run to drugs and alcohol. It runs to food. Right. It overworking workaholic. I mean, it's part of why I get depressed sometimes because I want to do everything and I want to do it now. And if I don't get the results that I want to achieve, I start to feel down and then I start to also eat too much or I yeah. used to turn to alcoholism and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I just, I'm super grateful. I want you to know that, that you have really kind of jumped into this and learned what it's actually about as opposed to what you think it's about <laughs> or your perception. There is another thing that I like to mention, actually, and that's um, uh, we have an, a place in Victoria, our place. It looks after the, the homeless. Um, it houses a, an, an, uh, about 35 homeless people. Um, I volunteer there. Uh, not at this moment because we can't, of course, do the COVID and it's closed. Um, they're still handing out food to the homeless. Uh, but it's an, that's another thing I think that people can do. If you have something like that in your area, volunteer. So mm -hmm. I go once a week, a couple of hours, uh, we hand out food, what is being all supplied by, by uh, then, and you see the people coming through there, hundreds and hundreds of people each day. And then you also start to realize how your own life is, right? How, how rich we are, right? even without money, we're very well off because what you see what's happening in, in downtown Vancouver and downtown Victoria, it's shocking. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think what I would recommend also that people should do once in a while to, to kind of put perspective to it. Right. So because I talk to the people uh, I talk to, I see several people that were in the documentary and um, you ask them, you can stop actually on a street and, and, and just start a conversation with somebody that sits there. Don't right away say, hey, get a job or do this or do that, because every person has a story. Mm -hmm. right. Exactly. Um, and I personally use my story to inspire not only myself, because I find all those things that I've been through in my life, that actually inspired me, you know, sitting on the floor. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but I sat on the floor one day and I was 215 pounds. I knew, you know, I think deep down that I was an alcoholic. I also had issues with drugs and I just sat there and I had a bottle of pills and I didn't want to live anymore, you know, and that moment was actually, you know, I had Rudy, the, the pug, 
he sat there and did the funny head tilt thing with me. And I looked down at him and I just thought, what am I doing and who have I become? And that moment actually inspired me to ask for help, right? And yeah. finally said, I'm not okay. You know, I need this help. So, um, you know, you're you, lucky. Yeah. You're it, lucky it, that you found that moment. Exactly. And I think a lot of people need to try and search for that inspiration in the tough times, because once you get through those times, it's actually amazing how you feel on the other side of those. And I think, you know, it's important for me today when I'm going through something and I struggle still quite often, but that I know what it feels like to get across that mountain. And if you can remember that and hold on and go, okay, it really sucks right now. I really feel terrible. But after I'm done this, it's going to feel so amazing. And I'm going to look back and go, okay, that wasn't as bad. It was more of a hill, not a mountain, right? Absolutely. So um, I thank you and mom for always supporting me. But what inspires you today? Because I know you just wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an ebook. Uh, so it's for the iPad or iPhone. Uh, it's on the bookstore of Apple. So you go to books and you type in from baker to filmmaker. It's uh, five volumes, uh, four are online. Uh, they're only $4.90 per, uh, per volume. Uh, they have my life story, so it's a biography. Uh, take you all the way from uh, my good times with uh, my grandfather and uh, the bakery. It has even a little video of the bakery in Holland in it, right? We say now, by the way, we say the Netherlands. Um, the people in Holland have said uh, the official name of Holland is now the Netherlands. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we have to keep on saying that. So it, and then it um, involved in like we talk about the first documentaries and the unique part of, it's not a book, it's an ebook, so you can download it. And then you can watch actually clips of the video on it. Mm -hmm. So each volume has about five or six videos. Uh, with clips of, so there is a story on the, let's say the world pastry cup that we did for the food network. And then there is a little clip and stories about those adventures. And also there is an, 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 a very, um, there is a story on depression in there. Um, there is a story on how I dealt with the food network um, because we always have, we always said we want to make productions really, really good and, and respect people. And when the Food Network started to do, um, you know, reality shows, I really didn't want to do those shows because I, you know, I don't feel that then we betray more or less the profession. So uh, lots of stories in it from baker to filmmaker. Yeah, I'll make sure I put a link to in the episode yeah. so that people can go and download it. So what inspired you to write the book? Um, I always, and this is one of the things how I deal with depression is I start writing. So because I traveled so much over the last 25 years or, you know, longer, um, when I was in a plane, I would write stories. Um, the stories that you and, and Dustin, you know, um, will get sooner or later. They're, they're written stories, so they're not on an... Uh, uh, so when I felt, you know, not right, then I started writing down. And they're completely honest like brutally honest stories where I literally write my thoughts down and then I put them away. So a couple of years ago, I started looking and reading through the stories and I said, Hey, I should actually put this into a book. And that inspired me um, to start writing. I also want to inspire um, young people that um, I was not a good student at school. 
there is a story on Mr. Tucker. Um, you know, Mr. Tucker was a horrible teacher that actually told me that nothing good would come out of Nick Verstig. Uh, he told me, he told my father that. He says, you better take him off school because uh, nothing will happen to this, to this boy. And so it's an inspiring story that um, we made something of our life. It didn't come easy, right? So I want young people to read this and say, hey, gee, I, I, can do, I can do this, right? You don't need a lot of money. You, you struggle with money. And you also, it, the, the book probably, uh, the series probably teach you also that you cannot jump right away from to become a director or to become a producer. We learned the profession from the bottom up, uh, you know, stringer. When we were in Hinton, I would take the camera and I would do stuff for CBC and CTV. And when there was a train wreck, they, they would ask me, they would call me. That's how we started. Right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's inspired, hopefully inspires young people. So what's next for you? What's next for me? I want to make a feature movie. Um, I've been writing a story already for the last 10 years, uh, every time something else comes in between. Uh, but I, I want to make a feature story about a famous chef. Um, you know, uh, so that's another thing I'm doing at this moment. It will take a few years. Uh, it's, maybe it never happens, but uh, I love to bring, to make a feature two hour movie for the theater. And there's an interesting project that I hopefully going to work on. It's always, funding dependent. Um, Ali always says you have done so much for free because we do so much freebies for people. <laughs> and that's maybe one of my weaknesses that um, I have a hard time saying no. So you have a person that says, oh, can we do this in this production? And then I said, yeah, we can do it. And then Ali says, well, who's going to pay for this, right? We can do a lot ourselves. But um, so I have to learn that, yeah, we have to charge. So if we can get the funding together, we met this uh, wonderful young woman in France. Uh, she's uh, American, she's from Alaska, recovered alcoholic. Um, and she takes people on the Camino, the Camino de Santiago. Um, it's an, a pilgrim track. If people have seen The Way with Martin Sheen, and if you have not seen it, I recommend you to see it. And what she does, she takes people who are struggling with uh, alcohol abuse or alcohol use or, or drug use, she takes them on this long walking trip. Um, so you can do several, you can do the full one, what is about 1200 kilometers. Um, it's mesmerizing and let people talk. So we did an interview with her and her ex-husband, um, her ex-husband who, who wanted to commit suicide and he tried to commit suicide. She helped him because she found him uh, right on time. He did it. And hopefully we're going to do a story on that. Uh, again, to, because she feels like, um, and you know, we all can talk about uh, rehab. How many people really recover from rehab? I think this is one of the issues that we have to start addressing. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of rehab that is uh, money-based, where you need a lot of money to, to get into rehab. Then there is the, 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 the public rehab that is more or less kind of, and we learned as by making the documentary uh, A Just Society uh, uh, last year, uh, people struggled. Um, you know, how many people didn't come out of re or came out of rehab and two months later they were back at it, right? We have to start dealing with that. And we're hopefully with a program like that, um, hopefully that helps, right? Yeah, and I think- That inspires me mindset is one of those things that you know coming from 
recovery. I, I never had to go to treatment, so I was fairly lucky in that aspect, but it wasn't, things didn't start changing until I changed my mindset. You know, it was like, what can I do every single day to start creating a better life for myself? So I started doing meditation. I started doing prayer. I started exercising, you know, yeah. and it was those kind of things and really connecting with people who had what I wanted or connecting with people who were the same as I was because I never felt so um, not wanted, but included or like I fit in when I finally sat down with someone else who was suffering from addiction and they're like, I know what you're going through and it makes you feel a lot less crazy, right? So um, yeah, there is, th that's a whole other topic altogether. And I mean, I could go on for hours about that, but <laughs> it's definitely, and it's with life, right? It's when you take on these things and you take on challenges in your life, you have to develop the mindset around it and you have to realize that it's going to take time. You know, if you're the quick fix kind of person that wants everything and you want it right now, like I used to be, it's not going to happen. Whereas if you can take small steps every single day, eventually you're going to achieve your goals. And you know what is really, and I think we found it out when we made a just society aftercare. Mm -hmm. So they come out of rehab and what's missing in a lot of cases is aftercare. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are going back to their old group, like you just said. Yeah. And so there has to be aftercare. There has to be a family member or a friend or people that help you. Mm -hmm. I think that is so important. And I think that's also lacking. And we don't spend a lot of time on it. You know, we're talking about people dying from the COVID, right? I think, uh, I don't know how, how, how many we are, but we are in the thousands, right? Mm -hmm. Don't forget people that die from overdoses and, and um, is huge each year. Yeah. And we have to, after this is all over, we have to really start addressing those kind of challenges too, right? Yeah, I 100% agree. Mm -hmm. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, can they email you? Is there a website? Where can they get in touch? Um, we have a website. It's the kind of the culinary website. Uh, it's dvcuisine, dvcuisine.com. And people can write me, nickvorstiek1949 at gmail.com. Um, yeah, if you want to write me, go for it. Um, I try to answer as much as I can because it's all about inspiring people. You know, mm -hmm. I'm 70 and... I'm not done yet. So um, as much as I get the pension, what's nice, <laughs> it helps. Um, I'm not done yet. I, you know, uh, I love to create. I'm, at this moment, I'm just as a hobby, I'm learning how to animate because um, we have a granddaughter. Uh, she's three years old. And in a couple of years, I hope to do some animation with her. And then again, inspire her, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Taking on something new. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show, Dad. Well, you're welcome and have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I had so much fun doing it. And, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, I'm sure in the future I'll have my dad back on the show. But uh, remember, if you're interested in hearing more, go check out his book. I will put the link in the show notes. And uh, don't forget to sign up for the five steps to achieving your goal on my website. 
And of course, if you're struggling right now and you need some added hope or you need some mentorship and coaching, make sure you go to my website. Uh, There is a coaching section. You can sign up for a free consultation call and uh, get in touch with me. Let's chat and let's see how we can help you achieve your goals. Don't forget the book launch July 14th. Hope to see you there. Thank you so much in advance for your support. I appreciate you guys so much. And until next time, be safe out there. That wraps up another episode of the Road to Health podcast, where my goal is to empower and inspire you to build a firm belief in your own ability to change your life and start achieving your goals. I know from experience, it can be hard to make healthy lifestyle changes that actually stick. I work with people to help them define their goals and identify the roadblocks that stop them from achieving them. If you would like to take advantage of a free consultation call to figure out how you can reach your goals, visit my website at www.theroadtohealth.me and book today. When you're there, make sure you sign up for my five steps to achieving your goals. And until next time, be safe and healthy.